0: Today's daf is Tet Vav and Masachet Betza. We're going to begin from the top of Tet Vav Amud Aleph. We are uh, approximately one, two, three, four, five, six, seven lines from the top of the Amud. Just wanted to correct something that I said at the end of the last shiur. I had mentioned the Machlokat Rishonim about felt or hard uh, types of kilaim, hard types of Shatnez, and what the Machlokat Rishonim actually is. Uh, I had. I had been uh, too conservative in my, uh, in my reading of it. Actually, the, there are some who say you can just wear that kind of châtna because it doesn't provide any warmth because it's too hard of a fabric. The others say it's only allowed to sit on it but not to wear it. Um, and there, I had uh, mistakenly uh, thought that the lenient opinion didn't go far, so far as to allow you to uh, actually wear it. In any case, Avalos and de you're not allowed to send. A, uh, a sandal with these uh, Spikes in it On Yom Tov as a gift What's the reason why you cannot Because we learned about it in Masachat Shabbat That there was a terrible tragedy Where people were wearing these sandalim That had these spikes and on the bottom These nails on the bottom And as a result of a misunderstanding that occurred uh, A lot of people were killed And so to remember that they prohibited Wearing them on Shabbat And Yom Tov as well you're allowed to to you're not allowed to wear such a sandal but you're allowed to carry it or touch it or handle it because yeah we know you're not allowed to wear it because the rabbis made the decree regarding what occurred in that situation But but you can handle it obviously. Because the fact that it tells you You can't send it as a gift Means that you're allowed to touch it Because if it's mokzen You're not even allowed to touch it Because if you weren't allowed To even touch such a sandal Obviously you wouldn't be able to send it So it must be that you're allowed to touch it But not send it as a gift Because it's not usable on the holiday You cannot send a shoe that is not tied That is not fully sewn That should be obvious Because it can't be used on the holiday But Even though you use pins to hold it together so that it can be functional, it's not considered a complete vessel and you cannot send it. He said, You can't send a white shoe. Uh, Rabbi Uda says that you're allowed to to send a black shoe to somebody as a gift on Yom Tov, but not a white one because it requires this type of a uh, substance to be rubbed on it. Thick substance to be rubbed on it to make it dark. Nobody would wear the plain white shoe without this paste sort of stuff uh, put onto it. And Rabbi Yossi even said you can't send a black shoe because you have to polish it. But that's not really a machloket because more or it depends where you live. If you so in Rabbi Yossi's town, the flesh side of the leather was facing up in the shoe, was facing outward, and therefore before you polished it, it looked like um, it really would look like you have all kinds of holes and bumps, and it wouldn't be nice to wear. So you would have to polish it first. In the place where Rabbi Uda lived, this the flesh side of the leather was facing inward, so nobody would see it anyway. So. You didn't have to necessarily polish a shoe in order to wear it. So it would depend upon, again, whether the shoe is usable or not for the Yom Tov. Anything that you could use on Yom Tov, you're allowed to send as a gift. Uh, Rav Sheshet allowed people to send as a gift, Tefillin, on Yom Tov. So the question is, But doesn't it say in the Mishnah that only something which you use on Yom Tov you're allowed to send? Not something that you, uh, and you, nobody uses filin on Yom Tov. What it means is, anything that would be usable for a weekday, you can send on Yom Tov. Meaning to say, She it, says, If it's fully complete, in other words, even though you wouldn't use. Uh, even though you wouldn't use tefillin on Yom Tov, the fact is that this item you're sending is a complete item, and it's not muktzeh, because tefillin is not really muktzeh, although there are some achonim that say it is. You could see from here that the chachamim, the, the chachmei did not think it was muktzeh. So uh, so you see from that that uh, you could send, even though the it has to be something that is a full article, the article is complete, it doesn't have to be... Something that you would actually use on the Shabbat or the Yom Tov itself. And, um, and, uh, and yet still Rashi explains You might ask What about, the, uh, what about the, the sandal with the spikes in it Or the nails in it There you're allowed to wear it during the week You're not allowed to wear it during Shabbat And yet they didn't allow you to send it As a gift The answer is Because you might come to wear it if you sent it But nobody's going to come to wear tefillin Because everybody knows you don't wear tefillin On Yom Tov or Shabbat says Since we mentioned tefillin in the discussion Let's say it's some other point about tefillin A person who was traveling And he had tefillin on his head He should cover it If the sun is about to set And we don't wear tefillin at night Rashi interprets this as talking about Shabbat He's coming Friday uh, Tosephod says it's not necessarily the case It could be talking about a regular sunset Not necessarily Friday But it says that he covers his head He covers the tefillin so nobody can see it until he gets home um, here it says, he was sitting in the Baby Midrash with tefillin on, and the day became holy, which means Friday night started. In other words, it became Shabbat. There, for sure, it's talking about Shabbat. He should cover them with his hand until he gets to his house. So again, Rashi is saying both of these cases are talking about Shabbat. One is talking about when the person's traveling, coming back from a trip. The other one, when he's in the Baby Midrash. According to Tosafot, no, the first case is just talking about where it gets dark, and you're also not supposed to wear tefillin during the nighttime. So it uh so that would be uh not necessarily a um a uh, uh you know a, a situation of, of Shabbat. It's a situation where the person needs to take off the tefillin because you're not supposed to wear tefillin at night. Now the um so the gemara but mean be that as it may, the Gemara asks, Metiveh, um or Mativ Ravona, rather. Ravona asked the question, who was the son of Ravika, if a person came on, from a travel and he had on and said, and this time it became Shabbat. So that sort of matches with Rashi's interpretation that the first case was also Shabbat. There it says he should just keep that feeling on and walk with them with his hands covering it until he gets to the closest house, closest to the wall. Meaning he, doesn't, he shouldn't just take them off and leave them out there to be exposed, he comes to the first house that he can get to and leaves it there. Similarly, if he's sitting in the Beit Midrash and it becomes Shabbat, he should walk to the closest house to the Beit Midrash and leave it there. He couldn't leave it in the Beit Midrash, she explains, because the Beit Midrash were out in the fields, they weren't in a safe place, and... Uh, And therefore he couldn't trust to leave it there But he would leave it at the closest house that he could trust Close to the Beit Midrash So you see from there what He doesn't go all the way to his house He only goes to the closest available house There's a difference One is saying where there's there's a, a house nearby Where it would be secure And one is where it's not In other words, when there's a house nearby That would be secure He should take it off at the earliest possible house But if there's no secure house He goes all the way to his house so now it says de But if they're in a place where they would be exposed, it's not such a chidush that he's allowed to wear them all the way home Because the fact is that even if he finds tefillin on the ground In a place where they're exposed and they could be damaged he had, Or stolen He should take them with him Even on Shabbat Because it says if a person finds tefillin outside on the ground Whatever he should wear them pair at a time You can't carry them because it's Shabbat So you can't carry them in a public domain But you could wear them uh, into the town To the, come to an enclosed area And put them down you can't leave them to be exposed. So it says there, you can even pick them off the ground. So obviously, if you're wearing them already and it becomes Shabbat and you're in a place where there's nowhere to keep the tefillin safe, then you're allowed to wear them. If you're even allowed to put them on in order to keep them safe. So the Gemara says, you're right, but, one is talking about where it's safe, both from animals and from people. In other words, both from ganavim, from thieves, as well as from dogs. Right? One is talking about where but the other one's talking about where it is safe from dogs but not from thieves. In other words, animals will not get in, but, um, but people might. And so the whole point is that um, she says, In other words, he says that if the, per- the difference would be like this, that if the person's already wearing them, and he's in a place where there might be thieves, okay? He can walk all the way to his house with the tefillin on. But if he found them, he's only allowed to put them on to take them uh, into his house if it's not, if it's exposed to wild animals. But if it's exposed to people, not necessarily, right? <speaking in Hebrew> what might you have thought? <speaking in Hebrew> you might have thought most thieves are Jewish and therefore they won't damage the tefillin. Malan, uh, it's coming to tell you that actually we are still worried about robbers with respect to tefillin. So, um, as we said, so in a case where the person is wearing the tefillin and uh, and he's in a situ- he's in a place where they could be be exposed to uh, thieves, even though they wouldn't be exposed, let's say to animals, but to be exposed to thieves, you might have thought that even, that there you should not be able to wear them all the way home because uh, most thieves are probably going to be Jewish in the neighborhood and they won't damage the feelings so you could leave them in a place where they're exposed to thieves. The answer is no, you can wear them all the way home. However, if you're in a situation where they're going to be exposed, they're on the ground, So there you're only allowed to put them on and bring them in if they're exposed to wild animals. But if they're exposed only to thieves, he's saying in that case, you should not move them from their place. If they're nishmarim and Aklavi, if they're safe from animals, but not from from, uh, thieves then uh, in that case, you don't have to uh, take them in. It's only when you're worried about the wild animals getting to them that you take them in in that case. So it's, so you can't learn from one case to the other because when it said that you could put on the ones that were on the ground, that was talking about when they were even exposed to wild animals. But when it's, but that wouldn't teach you about a case where it's only exposed to human damage. When it's exposed to human damage, you need to know the case that we mentioned the beginning of today, that, it's, that you're only allowed to walk with at home if you... Uh, if you're already wearing them in that case. And Hadran alach uh, Betzah, that's the conclusion of the first perek of Masechet Beitzah, and we open with the uh, second perek on Tedvav Amudbet. This perek is going to deal mainly with it uh, tavshilin, and the mitzvah simchat yom tov. So yom tov shachaliot be'er shabbat. If a yom tov falls on Friday, lo yivashel yom tov shabbat. You can't just go ahead and start cooking from yom tov for shabbat. He has to cook for yom tov. This is talking about a person who doesn't have any tavshilin. He didn't make any tavshilin, so he, he just has to cook a lot for yom tov. And whatever the leftovers are, he'll eat on shabbat. However, the shabbat. However, if he doesn't, uh, if he wants to avoid the problem, he makes what's called he makes a. Speech. Special dish on Eruv Yom Tov And he relies on it for Shabbat That's what we call Erev Tav Preparing a, um, a A dish in advance That symbolizes That you've already begun Your Shabbat preparation And therefore you're just finishing your Shabbat preparation on Yom Tov you haven't started it to begin with on Yom Tov and that's why it's allowed Beit tafshilin you have to have two dishes you can have just one dish according to you have a fish with a piece of egg on top of it even though they are, even though the egg is meant to complement uh, and complete the, uh, uh, complete the fish They're still considered Two Tavshilim Two separate items And you can rely upon them Even according to Beit Shamai, For uh, Eruv Tavshilim A chalo, If the person ate The Eruv Tavshilim Before he had a chance To cook for Yom Tov On, Sh- on Yom Tov For Shabbat Or Shabbat Or he lost it he cannot rely on it anymore. But if there's anything left of it, then he can rely on it for Shabbat. In other words, if he had a dish that he set aside as a Zeruv Tavshilein and somebody didn't realize and they went and ate most of it, but there were some still left. So based on that some that's still left, he can still cook on Yom Tov for Shabbat as long as it's not totally gone. But again, the idea is that he prepared something in advance of Yom Tov, before Yom Tov. So... To show that he began His Shabbat preparations in advance And he's only finishing them up On Yom Tov That's what it makes it permitted Otherwise if he doesn't have Yom Tov He just has to cook on Yom Tov And whatever leftovers are there Are for Shabbat The Gemara says we get the idea Of It says a person should remember Shabbat To keep it holy You have to remember it Even when you're against Something else That's going to cause you to forget it Meaning when there's a conflict Between Yom Tov and Shabbat And you get so involved in Yom Tov You forget about Shabbat You have to make an extra effort To remember Shabbat What's the reason? here, Rav says the reason is because by making an Eruv Tavshilin before, you're going to remember that you can't just think about the immediate Yom Tov that's on Friday. You have to also think about the Shabbat and you're going to plan for both. No, Ravashi says it's not actually to protect Shabbat, it's not to set aside food for Shabbat. It's so that a person will realize, if I'm not allowed to bake or cook from Yom Tov for Shabbat without an Eruv tafshilin, then certainly I can't bake or cook from Yom Tov to Chol, to weekday. In other words, it's in order to, that because of the concern that a person who cooks on Yom Tov for Shabbat will think, if I can cook on Yom Tov for Shabbat, then I can cook on Yom Tov for the day after, even when it's not Shabbat. That's why you have to have Eruv Tavshilin, so that you don't violate Yom Tov. So actually, according to Ravashi, it's really to protect the Yom Tov, not to protect Shabbat. We learned in Elisha, Ha'oset tafshil Eruv Yom Tov, so we, we, we uh, it says in the Mishnah that you should make a uh, dish from before Yom Tov and rely on it for Shabbat. Hi, so the question is. So according to Ravashi's interpretation That the whole idea is That you did your preparation before Yom Tov And that way you'll remember That you're not allowed to start preparing On Yom Tov for the following day Only because you made an Eruv Tavshilin You're allowed to So then it makes sense That you are allowed that it has to be done before Yom Tov But according to Ravah, Who says that the whole reason Is that you set aside A proper amount of food for Shabbat Even if you made the Eruv Tavshilin On Yom Tov it should work it says, you're right. You're right, except that we have a gzera that a person will, make, will, will be negligent. In other words, the fact that he's doing it before Yom Tov, he's also going to think about Shabbat before Yom Tov, he's going to make sure that he sets aside everything properly. But if he could do it on Yom Tov, so then what will happen is... That he, he won't bother To make the Eruv Tavshili And it's not something He's doing in advance so He's going to forget about it altogether Because he's, he leaves it To the day of Yom Tov He's going to forget about it So we make him do it On the Eruv Yom Tov So he makes sure To give thought to it Before Yom Tov And prepare accordingly And not to let it fall under the You know fall by the wayside By telling him to do it On Yom Tov itself We actually have another source From a Tanna. These are all the moraim Giving these answers We have a source from a Tanna For it When Moshe Rabbeinu Tells the people To prepare for And with the man, he tells him, Whatever you're gonna bake, you should bake on Friday. Whatever you're gonna cook, you should cook. Um, he said you learn from this pasuk It says what you're going to bake, bake What you're going to cook, cook You see from this that you can only bake on a baked thing And you can only cook on a cooked thing This is the basis the rabbis had in the Torah for and According to Rabbi Eleazar He has a further chidush Even than Beit that Not requiring two tavshilin But he's saying that if you're going to do bishul If you're going to do cooking You need a cook dish before Yom Tov And if you're going to do baking You need a baked dish before Yom Tov In other words, whatever you do on Yom Tov That action had to be started before Yom Tov It's not enough that you just have Any cooked entity It has to be the type of cooking That you're going to be doing On Yom Tov Was already started Before Yom Tov With the shilin. But you learn it from this Pasuk That it says twice uh, What you're going to um, When it says What you're going to bake You should bake So the fact that It should have just said bake, bake today Cook today The fact that it says What you're going to cook Cook And what you're going to bake Bake Shows you that there has to be Something you've baked already Or cooked already For certain Fridays, for the Fridays that are yamim tovim, you need already to have an iruf Tavshilin in place in order to cook for the Shabbat that comes after. Tanu There was a story about Rabbi Tov. He was teaching all day long the laws of Yom Tov on the Yom Tov. The first group started to trickle out of the shore. We all know that the rabbi starts with a big class, you know, on Yom Tov. People getting tired after the tefillah. They want to go home. The first group leaves and he says, those people must have very large... Uh, barrels at home of, uh, of drink And When the second group Started to trickle out He said you know what They have ba- They have Regular sized barrels Basically Not the gi- giant ones Of the first Then when the third group He said those, are, those people have pitchers He's talking about the wine They have the smaller containers Even Than the uh, and then the uh, Kadin. Then when the fifth group left, he said, these have just a cup of wine. When the sixth group was about to leave, these, he said, are cursed. What? Why? He was looking at the students and they started to turn white. They started to be embarrassed. He thought that they were saying that the sixth group was especially bad and would be cursed. Maybe because they stayed too long in the Beit Midrash and maybe the other people, they thought that he was saying about the other people... Uh, maybe something positive. And now he was saying that they waited too long to go home. So he said, no, 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 the other way around. He said, no. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the people who went out before. They gave up eternal life of learning Torah to go eat and drink. And that's why he made fun of them. This one must have a very large amount of drink. This one has an even larger one. And so on. Or even, you know, this one has the largest. This one has the second largest, third largest, based on when they left the Shi'u. When they left, he said to them, Go eat delicious things and drink sweet things. And, uh, and this is actually a pasuk from Sefer Nechemia, which Rashi always calls Sefer Ezra because it's really one book go eat send gifts to the people that don't have anything because today is holy to our master to, our, to Hashem because the joy of Hashem is your strength in other words at the end of the shiur he finally gave them a blessing to go and enjoy themselves and of course the question is if that's true um, so why is it that he was so uh, upset when the people left they were going to do exactly what he told them to do so he means that so Tosfat explains that uh they even though rabbi Eliezer was saying it says apal gad dileil kamar letamida bikhlum eshmanim ve shtumam in other words, even Rabbi Eliezer holds you have to eat on Yom Tov. He just thinks that that should be secondary, as we're going to see in the ensuing Gemara. He thinks it should be secondary, and you should mainly just learn. So he tells them in the end, of course, to go eat and drink nice things because the holiday. He critic- Rabbi Eliezer, criticized the students who left for leaving behind eternal life and involving themselves in temporal things. But it's a mitzvah to celebrate on Yom Tov. How could you say the meal of Yom Tov is a, is a uh chayi it's it's not meaningful. It's a mitzvah. Rabbi Elizer let tame because Rabbi Eliyazer finds follows his own reasoning that marsim chat Tov reshut. According to Rabbi Eliezer, whether you choose to eat and drink on Yom Tov is Rashut. It's your own choice. Titanni, Rabbi Eliezer omir en Ola dambayomtov, elo o khilbshot. A person has to choose on Yom Tov. Is he gonna eat and drink to celebrate, or is he gonna sit and learn? Rabbi Yoshua, which is the halacha, is that you should split it in half. Half the time for learning, half the time for eating and drinking. It shouldn't be one at the expense of the other. They both learn it from one source. One pasuk says, it should be a holiday for Hashem, your God. And one says, a holiday for yourselves. Rabbi Eliezer says, there's two options. One is it could be the holiday for yourself. One could be a holiday for Hashem. Rabbi Yosho says divided in half. Half for yourself and half for Hashem or half for Hashem and half for yourself. It means to have both elements incorporated And of course the question becomes like, How could Rabbi Eliezer What does Rabbi Eliezer think Everyone's going to fast all day Did Rabbi Eliezer mean that a person Should not eat and drink at all Obviously not Because he told the students To go eat and drink So, And doesn't he know That there's also a mitzvah of Bringing, shalmei simcha, bringing the korbanot That you eat the meat For samachta? They're supposed to celebrate. I mean, how can Rabbi Eliezer not realize or not be aware of this? So seemingly what he means is, my, my explanation of it would be, that he means that a person should choose one essential expression of Simchat Gom Tov, either the spiritual of learning, Or the physical of eating and drinking. That doesn't mean that the person eating and drinking is not going to do some learning. It doesn't mean that the person learning is not going to do some eating. It just means that they have to establish what is the primary expression of their Simchat Yom Tov. It's not an even division of half and half. But one of them is essential and one of them will be secondary to it. Lein mayve nechon. Though it's in the pasuk in Ezra slash Nehemiah that you should send gifts to one who has nothing prepared. Amar let me must be talking about somebody who didn't have an iruv tavshilin. He forgot to make an iruv tavshilin, so he has no food on Friday going into Shabbat that he can eat on Shabbat. So therefore, it's telling you to send him gifts so he'll have something to eat on uh, on Shabbat. That's the uh, that's the first interpretation. However. So, some say, no, that's only somebody who didn't have the ability to make an Eruv Tapshilin. But a person who had the ability to do Eruv Tapshilin and he didn't make one, that's a posher. That person is negligent. We don't go out of our way to help that person. What does it mean the joy of Hashem is your strength? Mishum Rabbi uh, Elazar by Rabbi Shimon that Rabbi Yochanan said the name Rabbi Elazar Rabbi Shimon. Amar lema gadash b'chol Yisrael, Hashem said to the Jewish people, "Banai, my sons, lavoir alai v'kadashu kedushat haYom v'aminu bi v'ani porea Trust me, meaning lend money on my account and make the day special, make the day holy, and uh, and you can trust me. I'm going to pay it back. So uh, the um, the uh, Uh, The point is that Hashem is telling you Your strength is that you're rejoicing with Hashem Meaning the fact that you're rejoicing In the mitzvah of Yom Tov or Shabbat Means that therefore you can trust That since you're doing it Hashem is going to make sure That you're able to pay it back Tosfat asked a very good question here What about the principle of We usually say A person should not Uh should not um, uh, make himself, it should better make his Shabbat a weekday than, um, than become dependent on people. In other words, take charity from people. And here it sounds like it's saying to take charity. So it says, Now the, the Gra changes it to, In other words, the, according to the Gra, the difference is that when it said a person should not. Um, When it says that a person should not uh, uh, become dependent on people, it means to take charity. But if the person can... uh, That's when it's saying you should make your Shabbat a weekday and don't take charity. But if you're borrowing money and you're going into some debt and you're worried about how you're going to pay it, then Hashem is telling you, you can rely on me. If a person wants... Uh, Rabbi Yochanan said the name of Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Shimon, that if a person wants his property to survive, he should plant an eder. This was a big tree, according to Rashi, is one in this first interpretation, or it's a type of a grass that grows very high and it also almost makes like a. Uh, it has very big leaves. Type of a grass um, that it's uh, it's a min esem chasuv. He says it's a type of a very discernible, significant grass that is planted. Um, it, that keeps out uh, certain pests from the, uh, from the, from the planting area, from the, from the vegetables and the fruits. But the first view is that it's just a big tree, okay? And according to the view that it's just a big tree, the reason why it will help you keep your, uh, your assets is because everybody will know that tree, they'll recognize the field belongs to you and if a squatter tries to take it from you, nobody will believe them. And, uh, and if somebody else buys it from you, everybody will know because it's such a distinct place because it has that tree and apparently that tree also in some way uh, that has other benefits As we're going to see Now it says How do we know that Adir Because it says Adir b'marom Hashem Meaning That this Edir This Adir Is going to be it Is strong And provides strength And uh, sustain And you know Makes it sustainable Makes your property sustainable alternatively Idra Like its own name Meaning that people uh, Explain the name As being Adir That it's amazing You don't need the Pasuk But it means That's why it's called Edir It comes from the word Adir Big Noble, significant, and so on. It's something recognizable. Um, Why is it called an idra, people say? Because it lasts from generation to generation. In other words, because it is noble and long-lasting. That's where we get the idea that it will make your property noble and long-lasting. Either because it's a type of a tree that helps you safeguard your property, or because it's a type of a grass that helps you do that. That's why it says that a field that has this edir in it, either this big tree or this special grass, is never stolen. It's never, uh, it can never be, um, uh, you know, taken by force and um, and its fruit is protected. Now, why is it protected? Either because uh, it, it, somehow the edir tree provides some benefit, some kind of protective benefit to the fruits or because, uh, uh, or uh, because we're talking about a type of grass that has a, uh, a repelling effect towards pests And keeps them out of the uh, area Where there, is, uh, there are fruits and vegetables The And of course I wanted to end with this Because it's so timely All of the Pranasava person All of the money that he's going to make that, that year All of the mizonot he's going to have All of the food Is established from Rosh Hashanah until Yom Kippur Except for what he spent On Shabbatot and on yamim tovim, when he spends on Talmud Torah, the learning of Torah, the education of his children, that is not included. Because in that case, if they they might have, uh, uh, have uh, set a budget for him in Shamaim, so to speak for that, if he does less, they'll give him less. They're going to lower the amount that they're going to give him. But if he decides to spend more, uh, from Shemaim, They're going to give him more That's variable But everything else Is fixed from Rosh Hashanah To Yom Kippur As we see here um, And uh, The the Bach on the side says That it should say Ve'ad Rosh Hashanah um, Interesting That it should be Until Rosh Hashanah Meaning it should be Rosh Hashanah Ve'ad Rosh Hashanah In other words According to the Bach's reading What it should say Is that you're Mizonot are fixed from year to year. It's the same concept, though. What's the pasuk that substantiates this? It says, Blow the shofar in the holiday What is the holiday where the Chodesh, meaning the moon, is covered? Keset's covered. Ave Omer, Hashanah, meaning you can't see the moon because it's a new moon, you can barely see it. Uchtit, Ki Chokli Yisraelu, Meshbalel Yaakov, and the next Pasuk after that is, it is Chokli Yisrael. It is the judgment of Israel. The mishpat uh, of Elohim of the God of, of Yaakov. My the So it's saying the word chok. It says chok means the amount of mizonot and parnasah person is going to get, the fixed amount that they're going to get. So it says, how do you know it means mizonot? When it talks about the priests of Egypt and it's speaking about the economic reforms that Yosef did, it mentions that the priests would eat the chok et chukam. They would eat the uh, fixed amount that paro would provide them with. So that shows you it means parnasa. Alternatively. Uh, he said another pasuk says in Mishle, give me my daily bread, my daily allowance of bread. Chok means a fixed amount, it means parnasah. So the fact that it says Chok Yisraelu in the pasuk means that it is the fixing of the parnasah, of the Jewish people from Rosh Hashanah to Rosh Hashanah uh, happens during this time. I wish everybody Gmar Chatima Tova and uh, speak to you soon.